Welcome to Malk's TV Talk, the podcast where we take a loving, longing look at TV and tell you this week, it's been nearly 12 months since subscription video on demand officially entered the Australian market. And in that time, all three services have grown local libraries and fast-tracked overseas content to customers and made many people very happy. Since the dawn of time, man has searched far and wide for the best things on TV. What to watch. How to watch. Who's watching what. Free to wear this. VPN that. Plug in and listen to what other people think about what you are and are not watching. It's Mogs TV Talk, the podcast, with your host, Steve Mock. This short podcast series is a chance to speak to the people behind each of these SVOD services and get some insight on how they think they've gone, how they see their competition, and where they're taking us in the next 12 months. My first guest is responsible for the nine Fairfax-owned Stan, who have been delightfully excellent in delivering incredible programs like Transparent, Better Call Saul, Unreal, and more, and have been the first to deliver original Australian content with the hilarious No Activity, and have a new episodic series of Wolf Creek just around the corner. It's Australian TV royalty, Stan CEO Mike Sneesby. Hi, Steve. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Stan is a, a marvellously unique SVOD service. How have you fi- found working for it? Well, look, um, I've been involved uh, since right back in the very beginning um, from the time that uh, the Nine Network was looking at subscription video on demand and looking at the streaming space. Um, you know, I was fortunate, fortunate to have uh, David Gindrell give me the opportunity to come on board and work on the strategy and work on the business plan um, for what we, uh, you know, for what we expected and hoped would be um, an amazing Australian-born um, subscription video on demand service. So, um, so for me, being on board since the start, um, it's been an amazing journey. Um, you know, you go back to end of 2013 and uh, start of 2014 when we first got underway. Obviously, um, you build a plan for a business when uh, you're looking at a market that doesn't yet exist in Australia. Obviously, we were lucky to have the uh, the lead of other international markets to um, to give us some benchmarks. But certainly, you know, to be working in a business now, which, um, as uh, as you well know, launched on Australia Day this year in January 26. Um, and to be, you know, here sort of eight, nine months um, after the launch in the position that we're in today, um, it's been phenomenal. It's been a great journey for me and particularly the entire team that's based here in Sydney. You know, we've got 45 people here in, in Sydney now working for Stan and every single person here has a you know a great emotional attachment to this business because we've all been part of the journey of um, of building the service and launching the service. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to be uh, to be part of it. It's an interesting name to choose when we consider, uh, you know, what what do you call a new anything, right? It's tough to come up with a name. I went through it just recently uh, when trying to come up with a new name for what I do in that, you know, now we've got Decider TV. How did Stan originate? Where does that come from? Yeah, look, we, um, as I mentioned, given that um, it takes time to, to bring a, a product like this to market and bring the technology platform and the content deals together to launch a service, you know, we we spent most of 2014 um, building the business. The obviously the plans, the joint venture that brought Channel Nine, the Nine Entertainment Company, and Fairfax Media together. But in that period of time, we also um, took the time out with uh, with our marketing team 
to to have a good think about what what was the brand that we wanted to to launch with and we had we had a luxury of of being able to stand back and and think about the kind of values that we wanted you know this business which back then was called Streamco it was really a shell an operating shell um, to have a think about what what were the values um, of this business and what were the values of the brand that we wanted to bring to the market and um, the values for Standard are all about entertainment obviously given that we're a TV service about transparency so you know, a service that is absolutely honest and, and, you know, does what it says and says what it does and simplicity, you know, something that's easy to sign up to, easy to, to consume. So you take those, those brand values, entertaining, simplicity and transparency. Um, and they were all the, the values that underpinned a piece of work, which most of the team that's still here today were involved, um, in putting together. And we wanted to come up with a name that started out by saying, let's move this brand that was going to be about entertainment, simplicity and transparency, let's move it to a name that's not confused with all of the existing kind of names that you hear about in the space, the flixes and the tubes and the views and all of those kind of words. I think, you know, we really felt from the market research that there was a lot of confusion around, you know, those kind of names and understanding what they really stood for. So we actually set out to come up with something that stood out on its own and was something completely different. And I think, you know, as you point out, quite often people say, well, you know, shouldn't you have made it something that was a bit more descriptive of the kind of service that you offer? And I think I think that certainly helps, but most of those names kind of drag you back into that confusion with other services. And we were quite confident that, you know, if we were going to go out and, and deliver an amazing product to market um, and be able to, you know, to advertise that, that brand in the marketplace, that we would be able to create something that would, you know, ultimately transcend the four letters, um, S-T-A-N, Stan, um, and have a character of its own. And I think when we first launched, um, you know, we, we copped quite a bit of uh, an interesting response, some flack from, you know, some quarters. Um, but to be, again, you know, eight, nine months into the business, I think very quickly Australia has grabbed on to, to Stan and, you know, every person has their own kind of view and feeling of what the, the product is about and, and what it means to them. And, you know, I think now we're really seeing that um, Aussies are loving it. They kind of get the fact that it's a, you know, it's a little bit of a, um, you know, a, a poke at the the whole sort of seriousness of the category itself. Um, but as I said, it's a, ultimately it's a, a name that we think it represents entertainment, simplicity and transparency. So it could have just as easily been called Bruce. <laughs> well, look, I'll give you I'll give you the inside running, Steve. I don't think I've actually um, told anybody this, but one of the other names that was in the on the shortlist was Ned. Um, and uh, whilst we were able to get the uh, the URL for that name, Ned.com.au, um, we weren't able to acquire the trademark for it. So um, there was three or four names that were of that same kind of ilk. Um, and uh, Ned was one of them that didn't get up, and there's a whole story behind that. I'll have to tell you at some stage uh, over a cup of coffee or a beer. Um, but uh, Stan was the name that ultimately won through. I'm certainly all for a beer. I look forward to hearing that conversation and and uh, the play around that. It's certainly, I think, something that audiences and, and customers have adopted very quickly. Uh, it, it's a pretty easy hurdle. I mean, a lot of people now uh, quite often, particularly because of the nature of the business, the three services that we have in Australia, three new services, are, are lumped into the same sentence. You know, we talk about them as one. Nah, nah. Um, however, 
for mine, I think part of the the standout for Stan is the content that you guys have brought us. As I mentioned in the intro, there's been some amazing overseas content that you've been able to secure. Has that been as much timing as it is luck or were there already very serious output, if we want to call it this, output deals in place, uh, you know, as you started to prepare for Streamco slash Stan, you know, in the year preceding? Look, we um, we took a very, you know, calculated approach to our launch of the service. Um, you know, as you probably recall back in 2014, as we started to warm up towards our launch date, um, you know, we made a whole series of announcements around content deals that for a lot of them were actually done and signed um, well before we made those announcements. So, you know, 2014 for us was quite a strategic year. Um, obviously, it was a point in time where Netflix um, hadn't yet um, either decided or certainly made any announcement about their launch date in Australia. And the Presto service was still a movie-only service. So I can tell you through 2014, um, we made a series of very calculated investments um, in some big international content buys, some of which, as, you, as you're probably aware, the likes of Better Call Saul is a life of series um, investment. So, you know, we're not buying one season at a time here with our big exclusive shows. We're signing on um, life of series deals, which means that for the for the time that those shows are being produced, um, we have agreed to purchase them and the studios have agreed to sell them to us um, exclusively. So we made a series of very calculated um, content investments um, and, you know, those those kind of investments don't come easily. They, they do require um, in-depth. We're talking about deals which are multi-million dollar deals and a handful of them. Um, so we were very quietly behind the scenes signing up content rights, um, signing multi-million dollar deals, uh, and making calculated investments. We took a very good look in particular at the UK market, um, not from a viewing point of view so much as the kind of offering that we felt, you know, Australians would need. And I think, you know, Australians, most Aussies out there would agree that, you know, too, for too long we've had to, you know, put up with service and products <clears throat> which are sometimes substandard with the rest of the world. So we went out to some of the biggest international markets and we looked at those markets as a benchmark for what we felt um, we should be able to bring to the Australian market. In the UK and Europe were, were important markets, as was the, the USA. So um, a lot of work in, uh, in assessing the right kind of content and certainly a lot of work in assessing um, the kind of commercial terms and dollars that we needed to spend um, obviously, spending that money even before the market existed, um, there's quite a quite a bet that we had to take. Um, and uh, you know, from from our point of view, obviously, the market has taken off um, as quick, if not quicker now than than what we expected it to. And so, you know, those bets are really paying off for us now. There's also a sizable risk when you're making some of these deals because, in some cases, the shows aren't existing or are still in production aren't they? Absolutely. In fact, I can tell you um, our decision to put um, a fairly significant um, deal on the table um, with Sony Pictures, um, the deal that includes the exclusive rights to Better Call Saul as well as the exclusive rights to every episode of Breaking Bad in the Australian Territory, at the point when we put that um, that deal offer together, um, there was very little known about Better Call Saul except for the fact that Vince, Vince Gilligan had signed on and Bob Odenkirk has signed on as the lead, but certainly we didn't have a pilot to go by. 
Um, we didn't have scripts to go by. So, you know, we were really making some big bets um, off the reputation of the creative and the creative talent that were going to be behind these shows. So, you know, you, you do, and that's the reality. If, if we didn't take that bet, if we didn't put the dollars on the table and be prepared to sign it even before we had a product or a platform in market, we wouldn't have secured those shows. We wouldn't have secured um, a lot of the other exclusive shows that have come around it, like Transparent, um, like Mozart in the Jungle. So we really had to take some some big bets. Um, you know, we had to we had to take the the view of and the and the history of Better Call Saul's um, predecessor Breaking Bad into account, um, and obviously um, a lot of faith in in the content acquisition guys and Nick Ford and the team. Um, you know, have done a fantastic job at spotting um, great shows early early stage. It's not. It's a, a marvellous series, but it could have been a real stinker. You're talking about uh, Better Call Saul? Yes. Look, I think um, it's always a risk when you are, when you, you know, you're acquiring a spin-off or, um, you know, a, a follow-on series. Um, and, you know, we all know that there's probably been as many flops as has been successes um, in this space. But I can tell you, um, Nick Ford didn't let up with me when, you know, when we raised concerns and the, the worries about investing that show. You know, he kept saying to me, um, you know, that with, with the guys who are behind this show, with the track record it's got, um, we've got to give it a crack. And, um, you know, look, every it's one of those shows, one of those things for shows um, that you're acquiring. Anyone who's in the game of content acquisition or content production, um, you know, there's a, there's a certain amount of risk and um, you've got to roll the dice. As a diehard fan of Breaking Bad, I'm entirely glad that you did roll the dice because I was like you hotly into like Nick hotly anticipating um, better call Saul. I had, you know, had the feeling in the waters. It was going to be good. It certainly has delivered so far. I cannot wait for the next season. Can we expect to see season two of better call Saul uh, in 2016 via Stan in the similar, you know, week to week fast tracked approach as we got season one this year? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, we haven't got the exact date confirmed for season two, but we're expecting it to be in a time frame which is similar to uh, 2015. For you, You'll probably recall in 2015 the first episode premiered on the 8th of February. We're expecting a date somewhere around there. Um, as I said, we don't even know yet. We haven't had that specific date confirmed, and we will fast track every single episode at the same on the same day that it's broadcast uh, in the U.S., that just made my Mondays very happy. <laughs> what would you rate, uh, Mike, as as one of your big achievements in leading Stan this year? Look, I think um, you know, as as I said, the Nine Entertainment Company has been you know terrific with this venture overall from the early days. As I said, that uh, that um, David Gingell gave me the opportunity to come on and and lead this venture. You know, there's been a there's been several highlights. I think I think certainly. One of those, um, you know, was the signing of of the deal with Sony Pictures at a point in time, and that was sort of as going back to a time when we were largely flying under the radar um, in terms of um, people knowing exactly what we were doing. So I think, I think I'd put the series up there with being, you know, signing a signing a significant deal with Sony Pictures that we knew was going to be a cornerstone um, to our service, even though. We were still building the technology platform at the time we signed that deal. Um, you know, number number two would be um, bringing together the 
the joint venture with Fairfax Media, who have been a phenomenal partner. Um, you know, the 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 way that the the board is put together here at Stan um, with Nine Entertainment Company and Fairfax Media, um, it is has been phenomenally supportive to myself and and to the management in terms of allowing us to get on and build the business that we think um, Australians want to see. And we, I can tell you, literally um, listen to every bit of feedback on every blog and social media um, to ensure that we are, you know, we are following what we think uh, consumers are telling us. Um, so that so that joint venture um, deal between Nine Entertainment Company uh, and Fairfax Media would be number two. And number three, to launch uh, on schedule and to be out there in market on Australia Day, which, um, you know, as the date shaped up, we always wanted to be able to go out and, and um, you know, symbolically, you know, show Australia that we are truly an Aussie streaming service, launching on Australia Day um, and two weeks later bringing Better Call Saul to the market. I think, um, you know, those, those three things together as we led up to the, uh, the launch have been, have been, you know, important milestones and things that I'm extremely proud of. And then recently this week, number four, um, the launch of our first original production in No Activity um, to what has been an overwhelming response um, from, you know, both the, uh, the review, um, the review sort of media and, and uh, industry as well as from consumers. It has very quickly rocketed to one of the most viewed. It is up there with Better Call Saul on our platform in terms of most viewed first week um, premieres on stand. It's been phenomenal. Look, full credit and congratulations to, to all you guys at Stan, Mike. It is, it being no activity, is such a fun series. It's uh, engaging and, and it's very, very sharp. Having the Jungle Boys team involved has meant that it's uh, even more interesting and they're going to bring their, you know, sharp angle and edges to it and then throw in some incredible cast who I know contributed to the writing, people like, Patrick Brammel, Darren uh, Gilshanen, throw in Genevieve Morris, Harriet Dyer, uh, Sam Simmons. It's really bloody funny. Yeah, look, it, it is. It, it really is a um, a magical combination. Of the you know the the talent you've got that mix of um, comedic actors and actresses who are who are you know this is their bread and butter. But then you've got you've got the uh, people who are better known or the talent that are better known for their their dramatic dramatic acting performances combined together on the show but I mean I have, I have to reflect when this show is being put together and and the Jungle Boys and I don't just say this because we're putting out a new show but you know they have been brilliant to work with from the time they came in and pitched to the team here um, right through to today they've been brilliant partners um, in this production and a lot of the team here spent time down on the set when it was shooting it, sh- it shot um, both uh, in Sydney and a couple of days um, over in in LA um, but here at this end for the Sydney shooting, um, a number of the guys that were down on set, myself included, and and you know the, the feedback continually from from people um, in the content space here at Stan was just the dynamic on just the feedback about the dynamic on set during the production, and and it was um, you know, every single day it was like if 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 the show turns out anywhere near as good as the dynamic has been um, on the set, then we're going to have a great product um, at the end of the day, and. When we wrapped up the shoot here in Sydney, um, we put on a, you know, a small little celebration um, for the cast and the crew, um, and uh, it was at the end of a very, very long and arduous week. And the celebration drinks took place at about eight pm. We didn't, so we thought, you know, most of the crew and the cast they're going to be just completely knackered. They're not going to want to come along. And I can tell you, 
every single person to, um, showed up from from the talent um, to the guys on set. Um, you know, it was it was such a fantastic um, way to finish a shoot, and I could tell straight away the dynamic. The, these guys stayed on all night long, and and you could see that they were there because they wanted to be there. They enjoyed each other's company. Um, you know, the fun didn't stop when they left the set; it just kept going um, at the pub afterwards. And um, you know, I think I think we all sort of looked after look, looked at ourselves at the end of that night and went, um, you know, we, we've definitely got something here. The dynamic between these guys is just too good um, not to turn out a great a great product. So um, we had a bit of a we had a bit of a sense that we were onto something. And you know, as I said, we're really delighted with the um, with uh, the outcome. Well, look, you, you you started on the right foot, Mike, in that you put on free grog, and you're going to get everybody in the entertainment industry. They're all going to turn up. Uh, there's no question about that. Yeah, look, I think I think I think all credit to the no. After you've just pulled, uh, you know, seven days of um, of back to back shooting and that kind of thing, I think um, I fully I fully expected a lot of the crew and particularly the cast to just go and and collapse. Um, at their hotels and put their feet up. So, um, but as I said, look, you know, the dynamic, um, the fact these guys just love being together and working together is just such an important part of um, turning out a great product. Does this build then, uh, well, I'm sure it does, but does this open up an opportunity for this excellent relationship that you now have with uh, a company like the Jungle Boys for more original content through them or other production houses for Stan? Yeah, look, I mean, I think um, I think it always helps when you you know when you have a uh, when you have a win first out of the first out of the blocks. You know, it builds your it builds your confidence. Um, I can absolutely say we'll be working with the Jungle Boys more in the future. We had we don't have anything specific to announce at this point in time, but certainly um, uh, we absolutely will be working with the Jungle Boys going forward. And um, you know, whether it's on. Uh, you know the the continuation of no activity, or whether it's on something else. I think um, we've got a great relationship there, um, and uh, you know, for me, that means there's no doubt we'll be we'll be working together in the future. But um, you know, the guys in uh, in the stand content team, Nick Ford, and uh, and the team there are, are consistently looking at new projects. Um, as you know, we've kicked off production on Wolf Creek, which will be our first um, drama or thriller drama production. Um, due out in 2016, so uh, that's well underway, and we're building a pipeline now of other opportunities to move into development. Um, and so we're always on the lookout for uh, for projects that we think are a great fit for our platform. Um, one of the things I've sort of said quite openly is, you know, we're, these, these productions aren't cheap. Um, you know, there is significant in investment, and um, it's terrific to be able to tap into the amazing talent that we have, you know, both um, in uh, in production in Australia as well as the the acting talent that goes along with it. So we're, we're absolutely committed to that and to, to making shows here in Australia. But it's going to be increasingly important for us to to take these shows that we're making that we're spending a lot of dollars on um, and, and uh, distribute them internationally, so into the US market and the UK and Europe. And in order to do that, um, you know, you have to look for a, a certain kind of show that is, you know, that is truly local and Australian and applicable to the Stan audience, but also that has, you know, the ability to translate um, for international markets. And, you know, as you can imagine, Wolf Creek is a, is a great fit for that. The brand, um, Wolf, the Wolf Creek brand has got, you know, a, um, a following already um, around the world. So it's, it's already got a, a, a tick on the board for that. 
And, um, you know, as you've seen, the cast that we've brought on board, phenomenal Aussie cast and Lucy Fry, who uh, who takes on the lead role, um, obviously a female lead role uh, in Wolf Creek um, opposite John Jarrett. It's, um, you know, f- for us, the fact that she's got a profile in the US market, she's been based over in LA for some time now, um, working on a number of shows over there, and she's got a big lineup of um, of uh, productions that she's going to be involved in hitting screens in 2016. So to have a great Aussie talent like her involved in the show um, with a great Aussie brand like Wolf Creek, um, you know, it really is something that we think is going to be amazing for Aussies and amazing for, for Stan, um, but also is going to be a great product for us to be able to to take to the rest of the world. Does Stan have a reciprocal deal with Amazon or is this you'll need to shop this around when it comes to things like Wolf Creek? Yeah, look, all of our um, – so we don't have any specific reciprocal deals that are that are going to, um, you know, see this specifically end up on any of the platforms from whom we're acquiring content today. Um, the parent company of Screen Time, which is uh, Banerjee, um, is involved in the international distribution of this. So we'll be working with Banerjee um, in terms of the strategy to take it to market internationally. But um, I can say from uh, a number of conversations that – that we've had or approaches that we've had independently. There is a lot of interest um, around the show. In fact, there's also a lot of interest around no activity, which we expected to be much more local in terms of its, um, you know, in terms of its uh, appeal. But it also is uh, is proving to have great um, great interest internationally. So we'll be working with our partners on both of those shows. So Screen Time Banerjee on on Wolf Creek, and with the Jungle Boys on on No Activity to uh, ensure that those shows end up, um, you know, on, on some great platforms around the world. That is that is great news. Now, we're recording this conversation towards the end of October 2015, and that has seen a significant change in the free-to-air television market through 2015. Audience have been shrinking. We already knew that, but they've sort of shrunk a little bit quicker this year. And to, I guess, try and combat that, uh, two of the free-to-air commercial networks in 7 and 9 have announced that from the end of this year or into next year, they'll be live streaming 24-7 their broadcast channels. What do you perceive may or may not be the impact on a service such as yours in them offering that up? Look, um, you know, the free-to-air model is is quite different to subscription video on demand, you know, being a paid model, although it's only 10 bucks a month for Stan. Um, you know, it is a service that people pay for and it is an on-demand service where you watch what you want, when you want, when you want in, in the way that you want to watch it. Um, you know, I think, I think for free-to-airs, the, you know, the streaming of, uh, of their, uh, their channels, the live streaming of their channels effectively extending the, uh, the distribution beyond, you know, traditional broadcast technology um, over to, you know, over the internet channels is a logical extension. I don't actually think that it um, it changes the nature of free-to-air TV. I mean, um, if you look at what what is what is it that drives free-to-air television, um, both in terms of um, audiences and in terms of uh, where the ad dollars are generated, and it's your, your prime time viewing, which are you know built around news, um, current affairs, uh, local reality television programming, sports. And all of those things that are essential to watch effectively in a real-time kind of environment. And I think that's what we'll continue to see is that the shows that are driving primetime 
for free-to-airs will continue to be news, sports, current affairs, uh, and big local productions on their platforms. Um, but it's not the kind of content that drives our platforms, as you know. Um, you know, we're not platforms. If you look at if you look at Stan, you know, we don't have news or we don't have sports. We're all about entertainment uh, viewing and people being able to tune in at the time they want. And what we're seeing today as this uh, free-to-air market has, you know, evolved and as the SVOD market has evolved in parallel is that, you know, primetime viewing for subscription video on demand tends to be a little bit later than than free-to-air. So you've got consumers who are tuning into their, their free-to-air viewing earlier in the evening and then switching across after they've watched their news, sports, current affair or their favourite reality TV program to tune into their subscription video on demand service, to tune into stand at a slightly later hour um, in the evening. So I think I think the good news for free to air is, um, you know, they'll they'll continue to have that that differentiated content. It's going to continue to draw the big audiences um, in the traditional prime time, um, which obviously then goes hand in hand with the ad dollars. And taking those services and streaming them over the internet is simply going to enable um, consumers to to consume their favourite free-to-air viewing in the way that they want to consume it. And it probably means it's going to appear a bit closer if you have a look at um, the kind of devices that Stan is available on, whether it's Apple TV or, you know, as you're aware, we've, we've recently launched on PlayStation 3 and 4 and um, last week we've started our rollout onto Samsung Smart TVs um, as an application and we'll continue that. I think what you'll see quite clearly is that as free-to-air do launch their uh, their streaming kind of services, um, they'll be right there in the user interface right next to the subscription video on demand services. So if anything, I think what you'll see is that um, the combination of consumers being given more ways to watch their favourite free-to-air viewing um, and right next door, the ability to switch over to their favourite subscription video on demand service to switch on stand um, when they're finished with their news, sports and current affairs. And we're about to see that, uh, I guess, in a way that we haven't seen it anywhere else before in, in the delivery of Telstra, the Telstra TV device, where it has a very local parochial focus, understandably. Uh, but as you said, it's got the, the catch-up TV services, and I'd imagine that that will then open itself to delivering the, the free-to-air streaming portions of that. Uh, but it's right next door to the, the Australian SVOD services, of which Stan are almost ready to deliver their app for. Yeah, absolutely. And look, um, Telstra TV is a great example of um, you know one of the one of the devices that allows consumers to you know to to run all of their apps. And as you say, the catch up services are there. I'm not familiar with um, with whether or not Free to Airs will be streaming their live services on that platform. Um, but as you say, um, our uh, our app on the Telstra TV um, is in its final stages of certification with uh, with Roku, who are the producers and manufacturers of the hardware device um, in partnership with with Telstra in Australia. So, you know, we're very close to launch and, um, you know, really excited to to be up on another platform that gives us, you know, a another way for consumers to, to enjoy Stan. What do you like to watch on, uh, well, I'll say on TV, interpret that how you need to, Mike. I have to say my my um you know my viewing is quite quite broad and I, I've got to say it has it's evolved quite a bit since um since running Stan as a subscription video on demand service I mean previously um I did spend some time overseas overseas based in in Dubai um launching another 
internet television service and I can tell you the the kind of programming that was on that service is vastly different to uh, to what we're seeing here in Australia today. Um, but look, I really try and give everything a bit of a crack and people quite often ask me, you know, have I seen all of Breaking Bad or have I seen all of, uh, you know, Drop Dead Diva or every episode of Friends? And the reality is I've probably seen more shows than just about anyone else but finished less of them than just about anybody else. Um, you know, I tend to sort of get through about halfway and then I tune on to the next big show because I want to I want to make sure, as I said before, you know, ex- experiencing and understanding what the consumer experience with our product is absolutely fundamental to, to me. So I can't I can't stay concentrated on one show long enough before the next show on stand pops up. As you know, um, we launch or we put new shows on stand every single day. There hasn't been a day since we launched. We haven't put something new on the platform. And we've got a whole lineup of first run shows that are dropping, you know, onto the platform. We've had 21 um, premiere exclusives. So, you know, shows that are basically fast track or first run on the stand platform this year. So there's been so much coming through the pipeline that there just aren't enough hours in the day for me to sit down and really, you know, get invested in one show. I've, you know, and and I've got to admit, I, I am one of those people with a fairly short attention span. So uh, a little bit of attention deficit just, um, you know, it just means it's a bit difficult for me to tune into every single episode and stay stay on track with it. Spoken like a true CEO, a little bit of ADD. Can we expect anything special from Stan uh, come first birthday celebrations? Oh, look, um, if we've if we've got some first birthday celebrations in the in the planning, um, I, I probably wouldn't be talking about them just yet. Um, you know, the the cycle of things that happens at Stan is so short and so quick. Um, there's a lot between now and and the 26th of January. Um, a lot of water to go under the bridge. Um, you know, as you know, with no activity up right now, this weekend, Halloween, we've got the the premiere, which is in line with the rest of the world of Ash versus Evil Dead. We've got Flesh and Bone from Stars, which will premiere first run on our platform. We've got the next season of Transparent. We've got the uh, the premiere of, of Sherlock, the next installment on the 2nd of January. So I've got to say there are so many shows to uh to be worried about launching and um, celebrating before our first birthday that um, I couldn't say if we had any uh, party plans in the pipeline. I can understand that, Mike. It is a very competitive sector, uh, and I do appreciate so much your time uh, in speaking with me today here on Mox TV Talk, the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks, Steve. It's great to be here. Mox TV Talk, the podcast. And thank you all for joining us this week on Mox TV Talk, the podcast made for DeciderTV.com. This week, check out all the news on the 2016 upfronts as they drop. So far, 7 and 9 have given us an indication of what to expect from them next year, and all of it is on DeciderTV.com. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Talk and find me on Facebook and Instagram and thosethings.com slash Talk. News, uh, new episodes are out Tuesdays, so make sure you subscribe via iTunes or your favourite podcasting app, and please do leave a sweet review. Tune in next week when you'll hear Mike Sneesby say... Car 72, no activity. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>